Hello, everyone. Welcome to Eternity, where love never fails. Hello, everyone. Thanks for listening. This is the Eternity Bible Study Podcast, where we walk through the Bible together every weekday, Monday through Friday. We're podcasting from here in the United States and in Zambia with a goal to share our thoughts and encourage one another as we read God's Word together verse by verse. My co-host in Zambia, Matali and I, are both listening to Through the Bible Podcast and then sharing our thoughts and encouragement with you. From America to Africa and everywhere else, God is in control. As always, our attribution goes to Through the Bible with Dr. J. Vernon McGee. So if you've ever wanted to try to read the Bible every day, we hope you can join us. We're regular people just like you, trying to learn more about God and walk in step with His Holy Spirit. So if you have your Bible, feel free to read along. And if not, no problem. We'll try to put it all together for you. So let's get started. Today we're looking at 1 Peter, and we're in chapter 4, and we're going to be looking at verses 12 through 19. And this last section of chapter 4 focuses down even more on suffering. And remember, we've been talking about 1 Peter from the perspective of we're called to, to be good And then we're called to grow up as Christians more to do good. It's not enough just to be good. God needs us, wants us to do good. And why uh, does he want us to, to do good? Because that's how we get saved. That's what purifies us in our faith in him and trust in him. Um. It's not enough just to to be good and let Christ die on the cross. When Christ dies on the cross for us, that enables us to be good, right? It's And I'm saying it in a simple way, I know. Be good, then do good. Be good is Christ's death, death and resurrection on the cross. His gospel message to us, allowing us to put our faith in Him so that the Holy Spirit is given to us and then... We have now peace with God and righteousness in God's eyes. That's what being good is. It's your salvation. It's your salvation due to Jesus Christ. And it's nothing that you did. It's nothing that I do or did or want to do. It's all starting and stopping with God's will and what Christ did for us. Okay? So that's this call to to be good. Now we're good, but now... We've got to do good. We've got to, we've got to grow up, and um, we've got to uh, uh, crave more than spiritual milk, you know. And it's not enough just to say, "Oh, you believe." It's time to actually put your faith into action to be good, and then to do good. And so we've been uh, talking about what that looks like in chapter 3 in our relationships. And then in the example of the ultimate relationship is Jesus Christ and what His life looked like. 
And the relationship ultimately is Jesus Christ with each one of us as he laid down his life for each one of us. So we have this ultimate example uh, of all the traits of Christ and the fact that Christ was good and he did good. And that's what we're called to do. And then uh, Peter's getting down even more into it in the fact that Christ suffered for us. He had to suffer for us in, in order to try to save us. And so we have to appreciate that it all starts with Christ. And for us then, um, when God says, when we have trials, various trials, we're going to have things that happen in our life. We're going to have things that um, will refine us, will refine us in our faith. And so it's all about doing God's will, living in the Spirit. So whether you suffer or not, you need to, you need to suffer in the Spirit. Whether we speak or whether we serve others or whether we have times to suffer, it's all in the Spirit because Peter is, uh, God is telling us through Peter's letter that in verse 4, I, I'm going back to in chapter 4, verse 6, for this is why the gospel was preached, even to those who are dead, because we're dead in our earthly selves, that though judged in the flesh the way people are, they might live in the Spirit the way God does. Okay, so we're in the flesh, just like people, but God gives us this ability through our faith to depend on Him like, like Jesus did to depend on the Father in heaven so that we can live in the Spirit like Jesus lived in the Spirit. You know, you, sometimes, you know, this is really lofty stuff here. You know, sometimes you wonder, you know, if you believe in Jesus, why do you have to still go through stuff? If you believe in the gospel message, why doesn't God just bring us all up to heaven immediately? Because Christ needed to endure a period of time in the flesh to overcome sin for us. So in a, in a similar way, we are in the flesh and have to depend on the Father in heaven like Christ did to overcome this through our faith. And that is a process of how we are being refined in our faith. And it's a process of, of us being saved, saved from this world. So that we have this opportunity to live in the Spirit. Now, we've already been saved by what Jesus Christ did on the cross. There's nothing we can do or need to do to get that salvation. But this process of refining us and bringing glory to God like Christ did, that's what, God, that's what God's will is for us, to bring glory to Him through our faith and through our living in the Spirit. That's what Christ did 
And that's what he's calling us to do. So it's it's kind of like with this perspective in mind that we'll start reading. And, and many of you are suffering in different ways. And this book of, of Peter is really written for you. It's, it's amazing, like during this COVID uh, virus pandemic right now, the whole world is suffering in so many ways. Suffering hardship of sickness and illness, many times death, um, many times fear, uh, unknown, uncertainty. Um, there's a lack of control over your time and over your day. Governments are closing borders and and shutting down businesses. People are, the schools are now closed. People, um, people can't go out of the house. The children are inside. And it's really, for a lot of people, unnerving for a lot of people. And it's a time we perceive, it's, it's like worldwide suffering right now. And, and God says to this effect, when we're suffering, um, chapter 4, verse 12, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. This is not the, the thing that the thing that's happening to, to us right now is not some new strange thing. It's not something that's never happened to people before. You know, this one generation doesn't endure something that another generation has never had to do. It's all the same under the sun as Solomon or Ecclesiastes was telling us. So don't be surprised. And he starts off by saying beloved. In other words, you're not suffering as somebody that God doesn't already love. So when we have to go through hardships or trials, these are inevitable things we have to go through. Jesus Christ himself suffered. That's the ultimate example of one who suffered. And you say, well, I don't deserve this. Well, Christ didn't deserve what he went through either. And I think that's why we have Christ's example. We, we have faith in Christ in the gospel message, but we don't have any experience at depending on the Father in heaven. So he says, you're beloved, but don't be surprised. Okay? Suffering, you know, is a part of this world. This world is a broken world. And we have to understand that when we put our faith in Him, God doesn't promise us an absence of trouble or hardship. He, what He promises us is His constant love, His steadfast love, and His salvation for us. We have everlasting life already promised. That deposit that we saw in... Um, I believe it was Ecclesiastes. No, not Ecclesiastes, Ephesians. Um, that deposit there is already for us. You know, it's amazing that Christianity gives you the entire um, inheritance at the front. All the treasures in heaven, you know, that's what they're talking about. Treasures meaning our life. All of the citizenship being called sons and daughters of God, right up at the front. All you have to do is believe in, in the Lord Jesus. 
and what he did for you. God gives you that gift. But he never promised that you wouldn't have to depend on him. And that's his will for us. So don't be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. All right. So you have to keep your mind on the Father in heaven and on our Lord Jesus. Don't keep your mind on yourself or react to whatever the world, whatever's in the world. Okay? Because it's all there to oppose God's will. It's all there to, um, to try to bring you down. Verse 13, but rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings. But he says rejoice. Now, something, a fiery trial that's coming at you, that doesn't sound like time to rejoice. And believe me, when I go in to see COVID patients at the hospitals, you don't feel like singing and, and singing happy, rejoiceful songs. But that's what Peter's saying. But rejoice not rejoice, but he says, insofar as you share Christ's sufferings. In other words, he's saying rejoice, but do it within the context that you are sharing with what Christ had to do for you to be saved. Suffering is reminding you of this dependency state on God the Father in heaven. That's why you're sharing in Christ's resurrection, but you're sharing in Christ's sufferings too. <clears throat> you're sharing in Christ's life and resurrection and holiness, but you're also sharing in Christ's suffering, in Christ's dependency. So we, sometimes as Christians, only want to share in the holiness, you know? We want to believe in the Lord Jesus and then be viewed as holy from then on out. We want to, everybody wants a piece of heaven, right? Everybody wants holiness, right? But there's also the, the sufferings that, and the hardships and the endurance of Christ. Now, this is not saying every Christian's going to be martyred like Christ. But every Christian in some way it looks like God is saying, don't be surprised. You need to depend on me as you are called to do good. Right? But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings. This is back in verse 13. That you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. So you're, you're re rejoicing in his sufferings because you're sharing that and if you're sharing his sufferings to bring glory to God you'll also share in his revelation when he's revealed you're sharing that you're sharing his sufferings you're sharing his death and resurrection and you're also sharing when he comes back his glory if you're insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory of God rests upon you. And if you're, so he's talking about another kind of suffering. If you are insulted, for instance, or made fun of or mocked or ridiculed because of your faith, 
You're blessed. It's easy to suffer and pray over somebody who's dying of cancer or COVID virus or something else, you know. But what about if you suffer if people are making fun of you or insulted because of your faith or your belief? That's another kind of um, sharing. Christ was insulted. Christ was mocked and ridiculed too. So you can share in in Christ. You can share in His traits of avoiding sin, but you can also share in His sufferings and hardship. Verse 15, But let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or as a meddler. Okay? In other words... Would you rather go through a tragedy as someone with faith in Christ? Or would you rather go through some tragedy with someone who's got faith in yourself? Would you rather go through COVID virus with someone who's got faith in yourself or faith in our Father in Heaven who loves you? And when you go through something like that, You're going through it with Christ. If you go through some other hardship with faith in yourself, you're walking alone. Suffer as a Christian, Peter's saying. If you suffer, you're suffering as a Christian. You're not by yourself. And when you you suffer in that way, it's not like the world's beating you down. It's just you're sharing with what Christ has already gone through. Share what you're going through in Jesus' name. Give the glory to God. Whatever you're going through, give the glory to God. If you have good times, give the glory to God. If you have bad times of suffering, give the glory to God. Verse 16, yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. Whatever you're going through, go through it as a Christian. Give the glory to God. The glory is your faith in Him, your praise in Him for the fact that He has overcome this hardship. And anything you have to go through is nothing You're just going through it in the flesh, but God wants you to live in the Spirit the way God does. Give the glory to God, your faith, your praise, whether the times are good or whether the times are bad, just like Christ. Verse 17, and we're talking within the context that this is a, a world that suffers. For it is time for judgment to begin at the household of God. Okay? So the time of judgment is here. God judges the world. And the world has occasions to, to, to bring about suffering, whether it's COVID virus or national tragedies, or whether it's small things or small little things in your own life that causes you to suffer. The time of you going through hardships is now. And when this judgment doesn't mean you're being judged, you've already been saved. Christ has already saved you on the cross. 
But it doesn't mean that God still doesn't judge your actions one way or another. These actions aren't judgment to, to, to send you, uh, to, to eject you from heaven if you make a mistake. You're under grace, but God still knows right from wrong. The judgment begins at the household of God. To begin at the household of God. In other words, God is very much a part of our lives. God knows what sin is in the world. And it is His will for you to stay away from sin and to give Him the glory for every hardship that you still have to endure right now during your time on earth, just as Christ had to give the Father in heaven the glory for His time on earth. And if it begins with us, it's a rhetorical statement because He's saying it does, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? Okay? The judgment begins at the household of, of God. What, what you think and say and do matters to God, your heavenly Father who loves you and wants you to depend on Him. He knows if you are and He knows if you're not. And then He quotes Proverbs chapter eleven thirty one, and that's a, that's, you know, I went back and reread it. That, that proverb is dealing with people who are steadfast in their dependent on the Father in heaven. And he says, If the righteous is scarcely saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? So in other words, he's saying, If the righteous are saved by their dependency on Christ, you know, that's the only way they get saved. If the righteous on earth are going to be saved just by Christ, what about the ungodly and the sinner? They don't have Christ at all. How can they even hope to be saved if the righteous out there, the only way they're going to be ultimately saved is, is through their faith. It's nothing that they're doing. They don't have the strength, the resources, the money, or the friends to help them do the right thing through a crisis or through a trial. Or through anything. It's only Christ. And if that one way is the, and the only way that saves the Christian family, the household of God, what about all the people who reject that one way? They have no, it just shows how lost they are, how, you know, the lack of hope that they have, if they can't even put their faith in Christ. And so now he sums up the entire chapter, and my study Bible says it's almost like the, the encapsulation of the whole message of 1 Peter in this next verse, verse 19, the concluding verse of chapter 4. It says, Therefore let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. And it's back to that call of doing good. Like we said, we're called to be good, then we're called to do good. And he's saying, therefore, whenever you're going through trials, 
trials that you can expect come according to God's will. So you got to understand that it's God's will that we have to depend on Him. And when we suffer in any in every way, it's not because God is is asleep at the wheel and letting us fall through the cracks and saying, "Come on, God, what you if you love me, why did you let me get COVID virus? Or if you love me, why did you let me get cancer? Or if you love me, why did I lose my job? Or if you love me, why did my wife die? Or why did my child die? Or why did my husband die? Or all this other stuff? How can you let it happen to me?" <clears throat> you got to suffer because you know God's will is being done. And God is saying this world has so much trouble in it. Christ had to come to this world. This world is full of trouble. And God and Christ is showing us the example to get through this world. God loves us so much. He knows we've got to be saved. But he also knows we got to get through this world. So he's showing us how to get through this world. Christ. But he's telling you, you can get through this world with a promise that you are already being saved, but you still got to get through this world. He says, your salvation is so secure, it's a deposit, it's a guarantee for you in heaven. And you can hang your head on that. But you still got to get through this world. And yes, my little children, unfortunately, you're, you're going to have to suffer. But it's my will that you suffer with Christ at your side to get you through this world to me for your salvation. So when you suffer, and we're all going to have to suffer, we're all going to, we're all going to meet some physical hardship because we all have to die eventually just like Christ did. But whatever we're going through, we're going through God's will because we're getting through this world with Christ and trusting their souls. Okay, We're going through this world according to God's will, but we're entrusting our souls to a faithful creator. Okay, We've already accepted the gospel. We've already accepted the fact, this promise, that our souls are already guaranteed in heaven. Our salvation is already guaranteed in heaven. As Ephesians said, our inheritance is already there. So we're going through this world of hardship, not living in the flesh, but living in the spirit the way God does. And that was what he was saying back in um, verse 6. We're called to be good, then we're called to do good. Living according to God's will, entrust their souls to a faithful creator. In other words, God in heaven created us, and he's faithful to us. He's not going to let us down or slip through the cracks. And because we're suffering, that doesn't mean we've slipped through the cracks. No. Unfortunately, our sinful lives are so bad, we've got to get through this world 
this sinful world. That's how we get to the Father in heaven, through dependency on Christ. But He's given us a promise, and that promise is true because He is faithful. We have a faithful Creator. God made us. God made every one of us. He made this world. He made each one of us. And God's not torturing those He loves. This is not torture. But this faithful Creator, this our Father in Heaven, wants each one of us. He loves us that much that Christ died, laid down His life. So, we need to suffer. Whatever we're suffering to get through stuff, do it with Christ. Christ walking side by side with you. A Father in Heaven who's faithful and with you always, calling us to Him. This is God's will for us that we, if we have to suffer, if we have to go through hard times, that we give Christ the glory for what we're going through. Because Christ has already laid down His life so that we don't have to walk by ourselves. We don't have to walk through this alone. We don't have to walk through this as, as a generation or a group of people or even an individual person who's going through something that Christ hasn't already endured. And when you, you have this promise of our Father in heaven that your soul is already entrusted to Him. You've already overcome this world because your soul has already overcome this world. Now you can live freely. You can live as free a free person who's overcome this world. You can live in the Spirit, not in the flesh. Give God the glory as you're called to be good and then to do good. And when you do good in the midst of, of this human suffering, God gets, God gets the praise and the glory because you're fully depending on Him as Christ did. So for me to all of you, God bless you today as you walk whatever you're doing right now. I just pray that you can entrust yourself to our Father in heaven through Jesus Christ, and that the Holy Spirit will be with you. So keep your heart centered on Christ. And if we're going through troubles right now, we can rejoice in so much as that we're going through troubles depending on Christ even more, as He did when He endured hardship for us. So now I'll turn the rest of the podcast over to my co-host in Zambia, Matali. And Matali, you know, it's hard to believe that it's Friday Emotionally, it's just been a, a long, hard week for all of us here dealing with all this COVID virus stuff, but we give God the glory that we can we can place our faith in Christ who's overcome all this. So, Batali, I hope you guys are doing good and stay safe. And now uh, I'll turn the rest of the podcast over to Matali, and then we'll, I believe, uh, start back here on Monday as we continue our study through First Peter. God bless you all. Hello. So today's teaching is coming from 1 Peter chapter 4, beginning at verse 12, all the way to verse 19. 
So Simon Peter is talking about the suffering of God's children and it was starting to happen in the Roman Empire. And, you know, the Emperor Nero had just um, taken over the throne and Christians were being persecuted. Um, you know, the persecutions had already started in Rome, but it was actually now spreading to where the Christians were. So now Simon Peter here is talking about you know, the persecution and the suffering of um, the Christians that they were actually going through during Nero's reign. So, verse 12 of First uh, Peter chapter 4 uh, reads, Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some, some strange thing happened to you. So, these believers that Simon Peter was uh, writing to were already being um, tested by suffering and most of them were persecuted and <clears throat> they became martyrs. So suffering is normal. Um, it's, 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 it's a normal thing. Um, it's a normal Christian experience, you know, for a child of God. Um, it's not accidental, you know, like um, we have been saying from, um, is it yesterday's teaching or the previous day's teaching that, you know, it's um, a way that God uses to actually help us focus back on him, to actually focus back on our lives, to actually value our lives, instead of just sitting complacent and just being um, you know, satisfied with where we're at and what we have. It's more of you know, a test. So God makes us go through these trials and suffering um, so that we can, you know, we can suffer with him. You know, he suffered and we're suffering with him. And especially if you're a child of God and you're joined to Christ. So we'll pass through as a child of God. Um, you will be tested. You know, it's, it's, it's so that, you know, you can focus on God and you can focus on, 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 on the things of Christ um, in order to, you know, refocus our direction and, um, and you know, things like that. Verse 13 goes on to read, but rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's suffering, that when his glory is revealed, you may be glad with exceeding joy. The way I look at this is, um, if I look at it in an application, like in our context, um, you know, a local context, um, you know, something that you've worked hard for, that you've suffered for, you've, you know, toiled for, you know, your sweat and blood for, you get to actually cherish it more than something that's actually, um, you know, you didn't work hard for. It's just, you know, easy sailing. Or you find, you know, certain people who are born with silver spoons in their mouths, they don't appreciate, you know, the value of hard work compared to somebody who actually worked from scratch on something. They get to actually appreciate that. So here it says, you know, but rejoice and extend, but rejoice to the extent that you partake in Christ's suffering. So we're partaking in Christ's suffering because Christ was here on earth in the flesh. He suffered. He suffered in the flesh. And, you know, he suffered on the cross. And, um, you know, only then do we get to appreciate if we actually go through what Christ actually also went through. Because he, you know, Jesus Christ had actually said, you know, in the world you shall face, face trials and tribulations because I too suffered. So if we get to go through what Christ actually went through, only then do we get to actually appreciate and value life as Christians. So, you know... Here, Simon Peter is saying, you know, they are to rejoice. We are to rejoice as children of God. You know, they are to rejoice in the fiery trials, and which is um, to test them. So trials and suffering are normal Christian experiences. And Simon Peter knew what it was. Um, he talked 
uh, when he talked of a fear, uh, fiery trial. So he, um, Simon Peter, he was crucified, um, and um, he was a martyr, and you know he was crucified during the time of um, Nero when he was when Nero was persecuting Christians, and David also knew what he was um, talking about. Um, you know, and he knew what it was to be put in, you know, a furnace like, you know, silver or gold as, you know, um, the illustration that was, that has been given in scripture about, you know, you know, removing the dross from the gold in order to just get the pure metal. So David was being punished and he was being punished for his own sin in as much as, yes, he was being punished for his own sin. Um, hence he never cried out. He didn't cry out or complain. He just, um, you know, he just took it as it was for, you know, you know, because he knew he had actually sinned and, um, you know, he, he, all he just asked for was, um, that, you know, he does not lose fellowship with the Lord. He didn't complain and say, you know, why are you punishing me? Why are you doing this and that and that? And a lot of us Christians, we tend to do that. You know, we sin. And, you know, because we're, uh, you know, our sin is coming back to actually, um, you know, to run its course. Our sin is actually going to come back and haunt us. Uh, you know, most of us, we know, we refer to that as karma. You know, karma is going to catch up and stuff like that. But, you know, our own sins, you know, we get to pay for our own sins and we get to complain. Why is this and that happening to us? You know, instead of being like David, you know, go back and turn to God and, you know, first of all, endure the suffering and go back and turn to God and, 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 you know, ask not to lose fellowship with him. And that's what David did. That's what David was asking for. So God has a purpose for allowing us to go through suffering, but we are to rejoice. Um, he says, and, you know, we are to rejoice and be glad with exceeding joy because we have that blessed hope. Um, we have that blessed hope that we have a living Christ. We have a living God who is there for us and he has promised us eternal, um, uh, eternal life. Um, so we are to rejoice and, um, in trials because suffering prepares us for the coming of Christ and it's going to be glorious. And Paul said the same thing in Romans eight verse 17. Let me just turn there. Um, so Romans eight verse 17 reads and if children then heirs heirs of god and joint heirs with christ if indeed we suffer with him that we may be glorified together so you know let us rejoice in the suffering because we'll be glorified together so we need to face up and to know that there is no shortcut to living the christian life and a lot of uh, a lot of Christians, a lot of us, you know, have this expectation that it's going to be a bed of roses. But guess what? Roses have thorns. You know, it's not going to be smooth sailing. You know, there's going to be bumps and, um, and, and you know, turns and, you know, trials in, along the way. You know, Christian living, there's no shortcut to Christian living. And there is no easy way to Christian living. So the Christian life is, um, you know, as um, Dr. J.V. McGee had stated, um, you know, one writer had written, the Christian life is a banquet as this is what Christ has invited us to. Um, he hasn't invited us to a picnic, you know, something that's just short and just like to the point. He's invited us to a banquet and it's the table of salvation. So we are to suffer for him and with him. And this will all come out at his coming someday. So, you know, um, we are to suffer 
uh, with Christ and for Christ. He too here was persecuted. So we'll go through the same things that he actually went through. And you know, no good thing comes easy in life. You know, anything that comes easy, you know, you ought to question it. So suffering develops Christians. You know, suffering actually makes us grow up. It helps, you know, to build Christians. It helps develop Christians and there's, you know, it helps to build their character, their attitude and their lives in Christ. It helps to actually just make us grow. And this is what um, Christ intends us. He doesn't intend us to remain babes for the rest of our lives. Verse 14 goes on to read, If you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you for the spirit of glory and the God, and of God rests upon you. On their part, he is blasphemed, but on your part, he is glorified. So here, you know, as children of God, we should rejoice. And if we are reproached for his name, for the name of Jesus Christ, we should actually rejoice. So, um, you know, the greatest proof that you are a child of God is um, that today you can actually endure suffering. So, you know, as a child of God, no matter what trials you're going through, you know, God is always there. God would never give you something more than your shoulders can actually carry, something more than you can handle. He knows, you know, your limit. He 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 knows like um, how far to actually, uh, what kind of te- tests and trials to give you. You know, if you can't handle something, like he will handle it for you. Uh, and that's the greatest proof of a Christian. If you can actually hand, as a child of God, if you can actually handle, um, suff- endure suffering. So whatever comes, you can actually um, glorify God. Because a lot of people tend to, um, to, to, um, to always like, you know, when suffering comes, they want the easy way out. So this is a test, you know, for God to know if you're actually genuinely his child. You know, if trials come your way, are you just going to just, you know, raise your hands and give up easily? Or are you going to, you know, like just endure it and, you know, endure it because, you know, there's that hope. Um, are you going to endure that suffering and, you know, be developed, be made a better person with a better character and a better attitude as a child of God? So verse 15 goes on to read, but let none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, an evildoer, or as a, a busybody in other people's matters so here he makes distinction he, oh, sorry he doesn't make any distinction of uh between a murderer uh a gossip you know um um you know a busybody no they're all falling together he actually puts everything together because you know they're all the same. It doesn't matter. You know, one crime is not more than the other. There's no sin that's bigger than the other. Sin is sin. Whether you're a murderer, whether you just gossiped, whether you just like um, stole like, a, a, you know, one candy, you're like sin is sin at the end of the day. So, you know, this is why he here the, the writer, Simon Peter, has not made any distinction between any of these vices. So we ought not to be suffering for our own sins. You know, David suffered for his own sins. But he still went and he didn't cry out and say, you know, why are you punishing me for this? Because he knew he had done wrong and he was being chastised by the father. Um, this is why he kept on praying and asking not to lose fellowship with God. So we ought not to um, be suffering for our own sins. Um, so God never tests us with um, sin or evil. James made this very clear to us when we were studying the book of James. 
Verse 16 goes on to read, Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in this matter. You know, just like I was saying, um, you know, um, David, he suffered in his own sin, but he was still glorifying God. But you have a lot of people, they're suffering in their own sins. They begin to blaspheme against God. How can God do this to me and all? But it's their own sins. That's the reason why they're going through um, suffering. Verse 17 goes on to read, for the time has come for judgment to begin in the house of God. And if it begins with us first, what will be the end of those who do not obey the gospel of God? So here, believers are going to actually appear before the judgment seat of Christ. And this is made clear in Second Corinthians 5 verse 10, which reads... Um, 2 Corinthians uh, 5 verse 10, it says, For we will all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. So, as a believer, you know, we're not being judged on the basis of salvation. No, we're being judged on the basis of how we actually lived our lives here. So, we're all going to appear on the judgment seat of Christ based on how we actually lived our lives. So, um, if God is going to bring us up before the judgment seat, you know, as scripture here has stated back to Peter, um, it says, um, and, um, so it says, sorry, for the time has come for judgment to begin at the house of God. And if it begins with us first, what will be the end for those who do not obey the gospel of God? So here now, um, you know, you know, he, he's paid the penalty for our sins already. That's Christ has already paid the penalty for our sins. And if God is going to bring us up before ju the judgment seat, you know, he's going to bring us up for, before the judgment seat as believers, you know, based on how we've lived our lives here. And suppose we have lived a life that has not brought glory to him down here. We are to be judged and we'll be judged here. And if God is going to judge his own, Imagine God judges his own because, you know, they already believe in him and they already know him. What about the unbelievers? You know, ooh, that's going to be like, um, you know, scary. So the unsaved, um, you know, what's going to happen to them? Those who actually wouldn't obey the gospel of God. If he's still going to judge his children, what more those who are not his children? You know, he will say, you know, you didn't know me. You didn't know you, you, you didn't want to believe in me. But, you know, God is going to chastise his own children. So verse 18 goes on to read, Now, if the righteous one is scarcely saved, where will the ungodly and the sinner appear? So the righteous are only saved by the death of Christ. That's how we're saved. We are barely saved. We barely actually made it. If it wasn't for the death of Christ, we wouldn't have been saved. And, um, you know, we're saved by um, the death of Christ and the faith in Christ. This is the only way we got saved. So we barely made it. So how then will the ungodly who actually, you know, me as a believer, I'm barely saved. Now, what about the ungodly and the sinners? You know, you know, like, um, how will the ungodly and the sinners appear? And, you know, how will they make it? Jesus Christ said, I am the way. And, you know, the ungodly have chosen to not actually believe the way. So if I'm barely saved, like I just, 
because of my faith and my belief and because my belief that Christ died for my sins and what more the sinners that's just like really scary and you know for someone to just die unsaved that's like the worst kind of um you know I think damnation and condemnation because they don't get another chance to actually like turn their lives around and it's just sad to have you know somebody who died who's an unbeliever so it's not too late to actually turn to God uh, verse 19 goes on to read, Therefore, let those who suffer according to the will of God commit their souls to him in doing good as a faithful, as to a faithful creator. So here now, those that have suffered know what it is to commit themselves. You know, if you go through the trials and tribulations, you know what it is to actually commit themselves because they've grown um, in the faith because they've had that life lesson. And Paul talked about this when he said, I know who I am. I have believed and I'm persuaded. Uh, he's able to keep my deposits, that which I have committed unto him. So Paul said, I come to Christ and committed everything unto him. I made a deposit. And Christ doesn't want everything. Oh, does, sorry, doesn't want anything from us. But Paul here, he committed his life, everything to him, his time. So, um, you know, what things were gains? That's, Paul had actually said, what things were gains to me? So all those things he believed in that, you know, would actually save him. Um, I counted lost. And what was lost became gain to me in order that he might, um, you know, he might win Christ over. So Paul, he gave up so many of those, you know, rituals and doctrines that he actually believed in, the, the things that he actually thought were gained to him. He actually, you know, lost all those things and all those things that he thought were not important are, is what he actually gained and he gave everything. He made his deposits. So, you know, Paul had, you know, about eight different things that he was trusting for his salvation. And he said that all became um, dung. And he flashed it down. So he trusted in no more. He trusted in those things no more. And he only had one way. And that was Christ whom he actually trusted. So he stopped trusting in all those other things. I remember one of the things was the fact that he was actually like um, uh, a Hebrew. Is it? Yeah. Like, um, and he was a Pharisee. And all those things that he actually listed, he thought would actually lead to his salvation. But salvation just comes by faith and just believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. So, um, you know, one thing we should ask ourselves is, have we really trusted in Christ? Have we really trusted in him? So, you know, let us commit um, our souls to God and, you know, um, let us make the deposit with God. Let us trust God and, you know, you know, and, 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 um, even if we're going to go through like the darkest times in our lives, the darkest days in our lives, we can actually go through those days knowing that he will take care of you. He will take care of us no matter what we go through. You know, even if you go through the valley of the shadow of death, you know, if you actually have faith and believe God will take care of you no matter what the situation, because we serve a true and living God and amen to that. So yeah, this is today's teaching, a very powerful teaching, you know, in the, in these days that we are actually going through right now. I hope you all stay safe, stay healthy, stay indoors and God bless and have a pleasant Friday. Bye-bye.